You know, some of the most hurtful words that I've ever kind of encountered in my life took place at recess in elementary school. When you're on the playground, uh, many times kids can, can, kids can say some very cruel words. Things like, you're fat, you're stupid, uh, you're a dummy, you're ignorant, whatever it is that they would say. Now, the good thing is, is that as we become adults, even though kids say mean things, adults never say any mean things, do they? Yeah, not. Uh, adults maybe perfect that more than any other. They have this ability to be able to label people and to know how to put people down because words are very powerful. You see, words have the ability to create, they have the ability to encourage, they have the ability to uh, help us go to that next level. But words also have that ability to be able to discourage, to put us down, and to sometimes even destroy. In fact, there's one little phrase of words that you may have heard growing up, or uh, we still hear them today, in which it says this, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Yeah, words will never hurt me. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Just stupid. Stupid. There is no truth in that at all. It is the biggest lie. Words are much more harmful than sticks or stones. Sticks or stones, if we're hit by something, we're able to heal from whatever's broke. But sometimes words can last a lifetime. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this, The tongue, that is our words, has the power of life and of death. Our words have the power of life and of death. Words shape every single person's story in this world. You know, growing up, I had the honor of being able to have two parents who were very encouraging. They were always able to kind of lift me up, to encourage me. My dad was always kind of like a coach, and whenever I would be uh, in something, he would always be like, Buddy, you can do this. Buddy, you got this. And then as he's gotten older, I'm no longer buddy, but he'll go, baby, baby, you got this. And uh, he's one of the most encouraging people I know. He's just a, a big person of encouragement. And those phrases now fall on uh, to my daughters. But my mom, I think, was even more of an encourager. Growing up, as long, young as I can remember, she would always say things like this. Chris, you are a special boy. God made you special. You can do anything that you want. God made you special. And because I got so much of that growing up, I have no doubt that the reason I'm able to do what I do today is because of those encouraging words. And there's no way that I could have been able to do this at all without those words. You know, I was thinking about it this week, that if I would have grown up in a household in which uh, I would have heard words like this, you're pathetic, you're nothing, you're never going to do anything, you are a person that we just wish 
we never had, I'm sure that I would not be able to do what I'm able to do in my life today. You see, folks, no matter who you are, words shape your life. And some of the struggles that you are having as an adult right now are due to the words or the labels that people have placed on you from your past. Maybe someone said something to you and it just kind of stuck. They called you something. They belittled you. They kind of made you feel less than you are and you internalized it. Now, I don't know what that label might have looked like for you, but certainly there are some of you who have owned certain labels. For example, maybe your parents or someone close to you said, you're lazy. You're always lazy. Maybe you're a student and every time you kind of look at your grades or like you're just average, you're just an average student or Maybe they said you're never going to amount to much at all. You're just insecure. You're hot-headed. You are always going to have bad relationships. You're too extra. That's what my girls use all the time now. Dad, you're being extra, just extra, too much. And maybe that wasn't the phrase that was given to you then, but they said you're just too much. Or you're always a pushover. But I have a feeling that every single one of us have a label or two that we have carried for much of our life. Some of us have a tendency to do that with our family. We look at our family system and we say to ourselves, well, we're always going to be dysfunctional. We're always going to be messed up. We're always going to have family arguments. Things are always just going to be the way that they are. We're never going to have a happy Christmas because it's just way too messed up. And let's be honest. The reality is, is that sometimes the labels that we have have some truth to it. I mean, I ain't trying to get in your business today, but some of you are lazy. Some of you are. And some of you sometimes are really hot-headed. Something doesn't go your way and you just blow a gasket. You just go off the handle. And maybe for others of you, you are a little extra. You're just a little queenie. You're a little king. You, you want your own little thing around you. You're a prima donna. And for some of you, those labels have some truth to it. But... What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. Let me say that again. What's true about you right now doesn't have to be true about you later. Folks, I realize that some of you have been holding on to such a negative kind of label that it has paralyzed you. That it has held you down. It has kind of held you back. But remember... God is bigger than your past. God's power is greater than your past. He is able to remove whatever label you have and to give you the label that he has called you to. A child of the Most High God. And you simply sometimes, folks, have to rename your labels. You have to rename them to be something different. 
There's a story in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, in chapter 35. And it's kind of a love story, and it's a story between two people, a guy by the name of Jacob and a girl by the name of Rachel. And um, one day, the story says that Jacob was just kind of walking around, and he noticed in a field there was Rachel, and she was tending sheep. And when he looked at her, he went, Ooh la la! I like what I see! And he wasn't talking about the sheep, folks. He was talking about Rachel. You see, Scripture says that Rachel was very beautiful. Now, Uh, Rachel had a sister. Her name was uh, Leah. And so there's Rachel, who's beautiful, and there's Leah. And Scripture actually says that uh, Rachel was beautiful and had a nice figure. And check this out. Leah had weak eyes. Ouch! Like, that's kind of harsh, don't you think? I mean... Harsh eyes. In other words, basically what it's saying is that, you know, Rachel had this nice form and figure and Leah had weak eyes and a good personality. I think that's what it's kind of, you know, translated to in Hebrew, that she had bad eyes, glasses and a good personality. So here's Jacob who is way into Rachel and not so much into Leah. And then one day Jacob gets the courage to go to their dad and says, Hey, I want Rachel as my wife. And the dad says, Okay, that sounds good. Um, You're going to have to work for me for seven years. So for seven years, uh, he goes ahead and he works for her or for him. For her, And after the seven years, he's ready to have Rachel as his wife. And what happens, though, is that the dad does like this switcheroo. And he doesn't get form figure. He gets weak eyes. And all of a sudden, Leah comes on, and that's a part of it. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait. That is not what we talked about. I remember this deal. I was to get... For me, girl. And the father said, well, if you want for me, girl, you're going to have to work for seven more years. And so Jacob, without complaining, works for 14 years to get his dream girl. And they get hitched and everything's going well and everything's awesome. And then something really horrible happens. They're not able to have kids. Some of you know what that pain is like not to be able to have children and what that label comes to you when that comes about. And so here is this couple and they're struggling and there's this sense they don't know if they'll ever have children and there is this real pain connected to it. Well, We find that Rachel and Jacob are unable to conceive. But remember, you know, weak eyes? She's able to have babies left and right. I mean, she just has one baby after another baby after another baby. And every time she has a baby, Rachel gets more discouraged. She gets more depressed. She gets 
more overwhelmed. And they pray and they ask and they ask and finally it happens. Finally, she has a baby. And they're so excited and they're all about this. And she says, well, I just don't want one. I want two. And then they go ahead and they get pregnant for a second time. And in the midst of the delivery, a tragic thing actually takes place. You see, during this time of the world, there were no such things as C-sections. But there was this complication that comes within the delivery, and there's imminent danger. And in verse 17, we read this. Rachel was having difficulty in childbirth. The midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. Now, I don't know, but that doesn't sound very comforting, does it? Like you're pregnant, you're getting ready to have a child and the person delivering it says, well, don't worry about it. You have another son. And then verse 18, the tragedy comes. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni, but his father named him Benjamin. Think about that for a second. You breathed your last, the baby is on your arms, and then it's at that point that you name a child. And she names the child Benoni. Rachel named the child one thing, but the scripture says that the father named him something else. And for where we're going in this teaching, it's a big thing in the scripture that you need to remember. That Rachel named the child one thing, but the father named it something else. You know, folks, names are really important, and when you're naming someone, it's extremely important. And my wife, Jennifer, and I, we waited until uh, we had been married for 13 years before we had children, and so we had a lot of time to think of names, and we spent a lot of time in prayer and discernment what we were going to name our kids. And so our oldest daughter, we named Jordan uh, after the Jordan River, and the word actually means life-giving and life-flowing. And we wanted Jordan to be the type of person who was giving her life away to those around her. The second uh, daughter that we have, our youngest daughter, uh, Shiloh, we named her, and her name means bringer of peace. That we wanted her to be a person who would bring peace to other people and would be able to bring peace to the world. Now, what was kind of ironic is the time that we had kids... Uh, there were other people that we knew of. They weren't our best friends, but friends of friends who named their kids some very, what I would say, creative names, okay? Uh, Very creative. Uh, One of those names was this. It'll come up on the screen. uh, ESPN. That's what they named their kid. You don't pronounce it ESPN, though. You pronounce it ESPN. And so... Now this kid has a name for the rest of their life that is going to be connected to a sports network, okay? So I apologize. I'm just saying it's a creative way. Now, there was another uh, friend of a friend who their last name was Wiser. Anyone want to guess what they named him? It's true story, folks. True story. Bud. Yeah. 
His name is Bud. Like, what's up with that? You're like, ah. And so for the rest of their life, like, that's the name. All I'm saying is this. If you're naming a kid, think about what you're naming them, okay? Like, it's really, really important. Okay, that was just all free, a little bit of a sidebar there. And uh, let's go on, though. In sharing all this, all I want to say is this. Names matter, folks. Names really matter. Now back to the text in verse 18 again. It says, as she breathed her last for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, but his father named him Benjamin. As she named, as she breathed her last, she named her son Ben-Oni. Now, the question becomes, what does that word mean? Well, the word Ben means son. The word Oni means sorrow. In other words, she named her child son of sorrow. And you can understand that. It's completely understandable why she would have named him that. Because what happened, folks? You remember the story? She has the baby And then she knows she's not going to make it. And why does she name him son of sorrow? Because she's never going to feed him. She's never going to see his first steps. She is never going to see her son grow. Now, Rachel is grieving knowing that all of this is going to be taken away. But somebody else is grieving too. Who else is grieving? Jacob, right? The husband. The guy who worked 14 years for the love of his life, his best friend, now is not there and she's dying of childbirth. And in the midst of all of this going on, in her grief, in her pain, she says, we are going to name this child Ben-Oni, the son of sorrow. And Jacob treasures this woman. He loves her so much, but he says, no, 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 no. We are not going to name The child that. Because what is true, folks, in this moment, in your life, in your world, won't be true forever. Let me say it again. What may be true in this moment is not going to be true forever. The father took what was and he said, no, I'm going to name it something different. Folks, if you don't like the label that you have right now, then name it something different. Let the Father in heaven come to you and whatever the enemy has called you, you say, no, 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 no. I'm going to name it something different. Rachel said, the son of sorrow. And Jacob said, no, no, no. We're going to name it something else. And what Did he name the child? He named him Benjamin. What does the word Benjamin mean? The name Benjamin. The name Benjamin means the son of my right hand. The son of my right hand. And if you know anything about the Old Testament at all or the Bible, you'll know that every time that the phrase son of my right hand is given, it is a a symbol of blessing. What the enemy found, they said, no, 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 no. 
we're not going to give that. Not a curse, we're going to give a blessing. What the enemy meant for harm, God says, no, I'm going to do for good. What others would say, son of sorrow, he says, no, 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 we're going to say son of the right hand. And this kind of leads us to our big idea this morning. You're only filling. So uh, this is it for you. Either on the app or in the program, you can write it out. It's this. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. You do get to choose what you call it. You don't get to choose what actually comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you call it. Folks, if the label that you've embraced and that you have and you don't like it, then name it something else. Call it something different. Remember, God's power is bigger than your past. His grace is greater than any label that you might have. Now, let me unpack this a little bit by telling you uh, an example in my life. So in college, I was trained as a history teacher. I was uh, going to go into a high school or middle school, and I was going to be a history teacher. And so I applied for a hundred different jobs and I got rejected by every single one of them. Over a hundred rejected every single time. And I remember uh, at the end of this, I was working in a minimum wage job. I was living with my parents and I was like, seriously. And all of a sudden, these labels would start coming every time I would have an interview with rejection. Um, You're inexperienced. You're not adequate for the needs that we have. And pretty soon, all of these labels started getting into my head. So my dad then uh, came to me, and he could see that I was depressed. Plus, I think he wanted to get me out of his house, to be quite honest. He's like, we don't care what you do. Just get out of here. Your mom and I, we've had you for 18 years. You need to be gone for at least 18 years. Get out. Get out. And uh, so... He said, you know, Chris, um, he's a pastor. And he said, Chris, I think you could be a youth pastor. And then he paused and he said, I don't think you can mess them up very much. (laughs) Now, here's the guy that was supposed to be my biggest encourager. That was not one of those times, by the way. I'm like, serious, Dad. You know, not much of a confidence boost. So then I applied for all of these youth pastor positions. And then this was what almost all of them said. You're not really what we're looking for. So when I was a teacher, it was you're inexperienced, you're inadequate. And now you're not what we're looking for. But somehow word got out to these two little small country churches that had tons of kind of messed up dysfunction within them that they were looking for anyone that they could get. They were very, very desperate. And they heard about me, 22 years of age. And they said, okay, we'll let him come and do a trial sermon. So I got this trial sermon. I kind of put it together in about two hours. I stood up and it was horrible. They knew it was horrible. I knew it was horrible. I'm not trying to put Jesus down, but even Jesus knew it was horrible. Like, it was bad. It was just like really, really bad. And yet, they gave me a shot. I remember picking up the phone and telling my dad, Dad, they actually are going to hire me as their pastor. And he's like, really? 
Again, like where's the encouragement, you know? But I was shocked. He was stunned. We couldn't believe it. I had had no experience whatsoever. One New Testament class in my undergrad, which I actually cheated on by Kathy Keener so I could pass that class. And now all of a sudden, I was a pastor. And to be honest, I just kept hearing those labels, though, in my head over and over again. You're inexperienced. You're inadequate. You're not what we're looking for. And to be quite honest, for those first five years of being a pastor, that's what I felt. I mean, my dad was a pastor. All the other pastors in the community, they were like real pastors. I was more like a junior pastor. I was more like a faking it till you make it kind of pastor. That's who I was. In fact, I hated to be called pastor. I didn't like the title at all because I never felt like I was worthy of it. And I couldn't own that label. And then the way that God does every once in a while, he puts somebody in your path that kind of turns things around for you. And I remember a lady in our church at the time by the name of Lester Popejoy, who was our organist. And she invited me over for some lunch one day. I'm 22. She's in her late 70s. We're in her one-bedroom apartment. We're sitting at her little kitchen table. We eat, and then all of a sudden I start sharing with her how I feel so unqualified, how I feel so inadequate to be a pastor. And she just kept listening and listening, and pretty soon I started saying, and also there are some things from my past that were so bad in college, I just, I just can't even believe that I'm even doing this. I mean, I really messed up Lesta. And I went on and on, and then Lesta finally said, are you finished talking? And I said, yeah. And she said, I want you to know that everyone messes up. Everyone messes up, Chris. Don't worry about that. And then she said this, one of the most powerful things said to me. She said, you're my pastor. You're my pastor. And you are going to grow into this. You are going to grow into this. And I'd love to say that first church I grew into it, I never did. I still felt very inadequate. Even when we started the jar, I felt so out of my league of even thinking to start a jar, I had to start the church called the jar. I had no idea what I was doing. But this is what happened. Over time, I changed the labels and I soon had an identity and I was able to own the title and I was able to grow into it. Now, I want you to know that I'm still very much inexperienced in many ways. I'm still inadequate. I'm still unqualified. And some of you are like, why am I here then? (laughs) But this is what I found. That Christ in me is more than enough. That Christ in me is more than enough. And today, someone here, someone on the stream, needs to be able to hear these words that you have been owning a label for far too long, 
far too long you've been allowing this label to be in your mind. You are not a child of sorrow. You are a child of blessing. You are a treasured, accepted, loved child of God. Folks, if you like what your label is, then keep it. But if you don't like what your label is, then name it something different. You don't have to go through the rest of your life with that label. Maybe for some of you, you've been told all the time, you're so insecure. You're so insecure. You're insecure. Well, maybe today is the day where you'll listen to God who says, no, 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 no. With me, you're confident. You're not insecure. In Christ, you're confident. Maybe for others of you, you've been given the label cheater. You're just a cheater. No, 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 no. That's what my label was in the past. But today, my label is I'm forgiven. No matter what I've done, I am forgiven for it. Maybe for some of you, your label is loser. You're just a loser. No, 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 no. Today, I am a transformed winner through Christ. Maybe for some of you, you've always been called, you're a failure. And today, you need to be able to hear a new label that says, no, you are a new creation. You are made new in me. Folks, this Christmas is a time, I'm telling you, when the enemy is going to mess with your head and try to pull out old labels to place upon you. So when he tries to tell you over and over again, and this is what he says, you are not, you are not, you are not, you say, what? And he'll say, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're just not enough. Just remember to tell him those are ghosts from Christmas past. Those are ghosts from Christmas past. But we serve a God who left heaven to come to earth, who left upstairs to come downstairs. And today he says the labels are broken. The labels are broken. You are accepted. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are a treasured child of the Most High God. And he says today that as you walk through this next season, don't carry some old stinking labels. Remember who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. God, and you are loved, and you are treasured as is. Folks, you don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you can choose what you call it. And if you don't like what your label is today, then name it something different. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we uh, ask for your presence right now to come to each person, both here in the auditorium and on the stream. 
God, I pray right now through the power of Jesus Christ, God, that you would start breaking some labels that people have been carrying on. Those labels, God, that have left them in bondage. I pray, God, that you would bring healing to your people today. In fact, maybe some of you have a label in your life and you're like, you've internalized it and you're like, I'm sick and tired of this. I want it to be gone. I want to be free. Jesus, take this label away from me. And right now with every eye closed, no one looking around, but if you're like, there's a label that I really do want Jesus to take this away. It's from my past, but Jesus, please take it away. If you just raise your hand, say, that's me. And for those of you that are on the stream that you just type in, Jesus, take this label away from me. Let me pray for you right now. God, would you bring your healing to each hand that is raised? For each person who's typed in those words, Jesus, take this label away from me. Would you remove that negative label, God, and call it something else? God, we pray that we would see ourselves as you see us, as your treasured children. We ask that you would renew our minds, God, and help us to believe that we are not what the evil one says we are. We are who you say we are. And we are a treasured child of the Most High God. You can put your hand down. You know, maybe for some of you, you've had that negative self-talk for a very long time. You keep saying it over and over and over again. And pretty soon you look in the mirror and you just start believing it too. That you know what? You are pathetic. You are a mess. You are not enough. And the reality is that the more that you keep saying that again and again and again, you drift further away from God because you cannot look the way God wants you to look if you're telling yourself that you're what the evil one is saying to your life. And so maybe today you're like, you know what? I need that new relationship. I need a relationship with Christ in a new way. I'm just tired of drifting away. I've been calling myself these labels forever. But today is the day that I say no more. And I'm telling you, you can't do that on your own. You need the power of Christ. You need something greater than yourself to get rid of that ghost from the Christmas past of the label that you've had. And so today, if you're ready to say, Jesus, where I'm at right now, I'm ready to give my life to you. I need you. I need your presence. I need your love. I need your grace. For some of you, maybe today is a day that you're going to recommit your life to him. To say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm tired of just kind of going through the motions. Today is the day. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's a prayer that you don't say by yourself, but that we say together in unity. And so I invite you to simply repeat these words after me. But they're your words. And I invite you to repeat them after me. Heavenly Father, take all of my life. Make me new. Jesus, save me. 
from all my sins. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you for the rest of my life. Give me a new name. Turn me around. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name.